This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 539 with Jessica Sinarski. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 539. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Bulldog Online Yoga. Try your first 30 days for free at bulldogonline.com and use the code SHAMELESS to get an additional 50% off your first paid month. That's bulldogonline.com, code SHAMELESS. This episode is brought to you by Cubo AI. With an adorable bird design, Cubo AI is the first smart baby monitor to apply artificial intelligence detection to babies' sleep safety, and memories. Go to getcubo.com and use my code SHAMELESS for a special discount for just our listeners. That's G-E-T-C-U-B-O.com, getcubo.com, and use the code SHAMELESS at checkout. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. To get 12 free meals from HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.com slash shameless12 and use the code SHAMELESS12 at checkout. Jessica Sinarski's superpower is making brain science accessible and entertaining for children and adults alike. She is living this out as a clinical supervisor, nationally known speaker, author, and shameless mom of three. She is also the founder and director of the training and resource platform, Brave Brains. This is Jessica's second time on the show, and I was so excited to have her back because talking to Jessica about brain science lights me up. She's so incredibly helpful and insightful and has so many powerful examples and lessons. And every conversation I have with her, I just learn so much. Learning from Jessica makes me a better woman, a better leader, a better mom. And so I'm very excited to bring you this conversation. Listen in to hear Jessica share how our stories lead us to shame spirals and keep us in shame spirals, how our shame spirals are more dramatically triggered while parenting in a pandemic, why she is calling her sons explorers to appreciate and honor the way their brains are differently wired, how to engage your upstairs brain to stay hopeful in hard times and shift your stories and narratives, how we can help our kids shift their stories and narratives, especially around worry and shame, why she wrote her new book, What's Inside Your Backpack, about a little girl's worry and shame and why she released it during the pandemic, why she opted to frame her story around a little girl who has an unsafe parent, how and why she considered multiple layers of inclusivity when writing her book and having it illustrated, and how to introduce your kids to the both and philosophy in order to foster hope and resiliency. I know you're going to learn a lot from this episode, and you are for sure going to want to go 
buy Jessica's book, What's Inside Your Backpack, and read it with your family. It is such a great book. It's going to touch your heart, but you're also going to learn a lot. And I just can't say enough about the layers of lessons that are told through the words and the photos, not the words, through the words. And I just can't say enough about the lessons learned through the layers of the story when you read through and you look at the words and the illustrations that go with this touching and powerful story. So with all that said, let's welcome Jessica to the Shameless Mom Academy. Jessica, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I have to laugh because when people are on the show, I often say like, hey, next time you write a book, let me know and we'll come on the show and talk about it. And here we are, you wrote a new book. So welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. And it's been a little while since our last conversation. So we have lots to catch up on. Last time we spoke, it was not a pandemic. (laughs) It was not. No. Remember that, everybody? Remember when that was the thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Barely. A lifetime ago. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Sure. So I feel like the dynamics of my personal and professional life are juggling a lot. Like that's, I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate. And some balls drop. And so my job is to decide which ones are most fragile and which are not. And I don't just mean like kids are most fragile, so don't drop them. I mean like, okay, this professional thing can't drop and this kid thing is okay to let go. And so I feel like that's kind of the balance I'm trying to strike right now. And there's a lot that I'm excited about, which a number of those things I bet we will talk about today. So I'm going to press pause on that one. (laughs) Okay. I have to ask, are there any balls that you've dropped that you prior to the pandemic thought you couldn't drop and now you've dropped them and you're relieved and you never want to pick them up again? Ooh, that is a great question. I don't... So nothing exactly comes to mind. I think it has forced me to pay attention to what feeds me and what doesn't and to get really intentional about what feeds me, even if that is inconvenient at times and to tune in to when my, so one of my tells is like my shoulders are sort of up to my ears tension wise and to just be a lot more conscious of my limits. So I can't think of a particular, you know, ball per se, but I feel more aware of like, oh, you're close to the edge, ask for help, take a break, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. Does that help with balance? I feel like for me, I totally agree. And I feel like that's helped me, number one, ask for help and number two, have better boundaries. Yes, I think so too. (laughs) Yep. There are certain things that I'm like, no, I really need to make this shift if I'm going to survive, right? (laughs) I think that's always a challenge. I mean, for many professions, but certainly I find that with other therapists that I work with, like we need to be really careful to not burn out because that's not going to do anyone any good (laughs) in any profession, right? So your new book is called What's Inside Your Backpack. And it's a children's book. (laughs) Although as I was reading it, I was like, there's a lot of lessons in here that are relevant to everyone. They are. (laughs) Yes. And the story is touching in many, many ways. And I know we'll get into different layers of it in just a minute. But What I love is the story that you chose to frame the book around, I think is significant. And I think it addresses our stories and the shame that we carry around our stories and fears that we carry around our stories. So can you talk a little bit about our stories and what they have to do with shame? And you can maybe even connect that to living as a shameless mom. Yeah, you bet. So there's a lot of like fear and shame behind the internal stories that keep us or our kids back from reaching our full potential. I think that's even, you know, maybe part of why you started this podcast and this journey that you're on, that we want to get rid of the junk and get through like the real true us. So part of what happens is like these sort of internal tapes run in our heads and sometimes it's below the surface and we don't really realize it. So I had this silly example recently where it happened, where it was also a clue that I was like a little bit in my stress brain because, so I'm raising three boys. My boys are seven, 10 and 12 at this point. And you can imagine what our bathroom looks like in the best of circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) I have one eight-year-old and a husband. And even that is, I don't want any of them in the bathroom that I'm using. Uh, uh. So on top of that, my boys have explorer brains. I heard a podcast recently that reframed like ADHD as brains that love to explore. And I just thought, well, that is 
spot on. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah, especially for ADHD that's not related to trauma. So I work in trauma all the time. And so that's what I deal with a lot at work is that fear-driven brain. Well, this is an explorer-driven brain. They get very distracted, boring tasks and routines, like flushing a toilet, (laughs) are not very interesting (laughs) to them. And so when I'm my best self, I can work as a mom to help them build good habits, knowing that they have explorer brains and that we're in this together and I'm a great mom to them. And that's a healthy story. I had one of those like, oh, you're in overload because I walked into the bathroom and like all of a sudden, so, you know, there's pee in the toilet (laughs) and the story in my head is they'll never learn. They'll never find partners because they're disgusting creatures who don't even know how to flush a toilet. And that's not untrue. (laughs) I'm like the same thing. I'm like, who's going to put up with this? Ridiculous. And, and this is significant, and I'm a terrible mom. So that piece, I have started to learn for myself that that, again, is a sign that I'm out of balance. You know, my stress is high when that failure narrative is starting to seep in, particularly around parenting. And it happens in a few milliseconds, and it usually isn't conscious, but those inner tapes are running. Those negative stories might lead me to reactive parenting instead of proactive parenting or my own shame spiral, right, around who I am and what I'm doing and what I'm failing at or not good enough for and all of that stuff. Oh, my goodness. That's such a great example because I think it's so relatable. And I also can especially live in in this pandemic that's so endless and relentless. And I feel like our threshold for self-compassion is just can vary greatly. And when you said like it can happen over the course of just a minute or a split second, that's so true because I think there's times when you can be in a situation and you can have this self-compassion and think like, oh, well, I'm still learning how to teach my child that thing. And this is something I'll say to my son all the time. Like if he has a classmate who's struggling with something, I'll say, oh, they're still learning how to use their words or they're still learning how to be a good friend. So to use that on myself, like I'm still learning how to teach him different things. And it can either go that way in a moment where I have that ability to push pause and think through it rationally or if you don't and you're kind of reaching that threshold that is that mil- there is that millisecond where you're like obviously I'm just an awful parent and I've totally I'm doing this all wrong and where did this start and how do I fix it and it's is it beyond hope and yeah. it's really fascinating how when we are hitting those thresholds our response can be so different to the same thing and then we do go into shame and blame of ourselves yeah which is so not productive. Right. And our kids, right? Like my kids are, that can easily turn into their lazy slobs or they can't do anything right, right? The story I begin to tell myself about my kids is negative and shame and blame. And that's not going to help me parent them better. And it's not going to help them develop better. They're not going to flush the toilet better because I am reacting negatively to them. That's not productive. Right. I have to give you an example that is showing up in our house a lot (laughs) right now that's probably relatable in a house with the ages that you have at your house. Mm -hmm. So clearing dishes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So in the basement, so we have like a rec room in the basement where we watch TV and stuff and where in the morning, my son and I will read together, reading our own books, not talking to each other, typically ideally. And, but there's like always like a cup of hot chocolate down there and like a little bowl of like dry cereal that the dogs inevitably get into. And then upstairs on the table is breakfast dishes and all these things. By the end of the day, I feel like I'm like, go pick up the dishes downstairs and then go pick up the dishes here and then go get your shoes off of here. And he gets super frustrated. He's like, all you do is tell me what to do. I'm like, well, but if you just did those things, I wouldn't. And I'm like, I can't find this balance. So then I am like, am I just a dictator? Right, right. Like, where is the balance? Right. I'm like, well, I do have to teach you these things and you could just take responsibility for it. So I always second guessing myself when he pushes back against it. (laughs) So you have to feel it all. Yeah, it's super stressful. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're all under more stress right now because of the pandemic, you know? Right. I'm wondering with having three children, if you're like, oh, well, this is just a phase and they get through that and it looks like this in a year or two versus like, I only have the one. So I'm like, I don't know. Maybe this is just how it is forever. (laughs) (laughs) I think it varies so much from home to home and experience to experience. All my boys, like I said, have explorer brains that sort of I have had to adjust expectation to some extent. I was just talking to somebody else about this recently, that if parenting doesn't look exactly like what I thought it would look like, you know, way back when before I was a parent, it doesn't mean it's worse. It's just different. I was never going to have 
weapons in my house, like toy weapons. My kids still know that they have to call things blasters. So it started with Legos, like any of the little superhero things that have, they can have blasters, they cannot have guns. And, but there's a big bin of like foam swords in my house. And I'm like, you know what? I have made my peace with, they have to get their energy out somehow. And it's better for them to have safe, playful expressions for their testosterone than bottling it up or shaming them for being energetic and active and those kinds of things. So it's parenting the kid in front of you, as Dr. Ross Green says, like the kid in front of you, it can't be your neighbor's kid or your sister's kid or like it's the kid in front of you. And that's what we all wanted as kids, right? To be recognized for who we are, for our stories, the real us, and for that to be embraced and honored. And so I think that's what we hope for with our kids, even if it means, you know, figuring out a different plan for how dishes get cleaned up or (laughs) setting reminders for going and flushing the toilet. Like, you know, I don't know how we're going to problem solve those things, but we can problem solve them together. And it doesn't mean they're bad kids and we're bad moms. Absolutely. I'm dying over the gun thing because we're the same way. Like, I was always (laughs) like, we're not going to have any of this and any of that. No. Mm -mm. And then for Christmas, Santa brought a Nerf gun. (laughs) And I told my husband at the time, I was like, he's going to believe in Santa forever now because he knows we would never. I kind of was like, this is actually a really brilliant strategy because, and still, I mean, he just actually this morning was talking about it and he was like... I know, like Santa knows that you don't like those. Oh my gosh. But he brought me one. <laughs> it's like this. Yeah, so funny. This episode is supported by Bulldog Online Yoga. Okay, so I have to tell you something I did that felt like so fun and indulgent because I live in Seattle and this doesn't happen often. I did yoga outside in the sun. Oh my goodness. So we have had this like amazing, beautiful stretch of beautiful totally sunny days, like not a cloud in the sky, temperatures hitting around 70, which just feels like unheard of in April in Seattle. And so I took my bulldog online workout outside and did some streaming yoga in my backyard. And it was amazing. I pretty much felt like I was on a tropical beach, except for there was no sand. but it was so nice. So if you want to take some time to breathe a little better, get a little more flexible, improve your mental focus, yoga is so, so good for all of that. It's also really great for kind of a delaying injury or preventing injury for older folks. And when I say older, I mean people like me who are 45. I know that for me, I like doing hardcore intense workouts and my body can only handle so much of that anymore. And I really have to counteract any sort of intensity with equal amounts of stretching and recovery. And Bulldog has so many great options for that. So Bulldog actually does have some pretty intense yoga workouts that are very much like get your sweat on kind of yoga workouts, which I love. But I also really love their more restorative yoga that just allows me to chill, stretch, breathe, because for me, for my nervous system right now, that is what I need. And especially if I can go do it in the sun. So I want you to go check out Bulldog because there are choices for all levels from beginner classes to heart pumping workouts. You can either join their live classes and stream them online, or you can get their on-demand classes, which are, they have like a huge content library of classes that have already been recorded and you can just go push play at any time. There are lengths of classes varying from 12 minutes to 60 minutes. There's something for everyone. So what I want you to do is go check out Bulldog for yourself. You're going to get free 30 days. So your first 30 days are totally free when you go to bulldogonline.com. That's bulldogonline.com. And then use the code SHAMELESS for an extra 50% off your first paid month. This is a fabulous deal. So go check it out. That's bulldogonline.com. And then use the code SHAMELESS for an extra 50% off your first paid month. So how do you see, I love this conversation because I think it's so timely around, I mean, obviously parenting is always, there's always ups and downs, but in this pandemic, I think that we are parenting on a whole new level. And I think that the, our thresholds are shifting and our tolerance and our patience from day to day is just really can be really dramatically different. How do you see our stories and shame and all of this playing out differently during this pandemic and among our families during the pandemic? That's a great question because So many of us, not everybody, but so many of us are under a lot more stress than usual. And chronic stress actually starts to shut down the part of the brain that lets us evaluate our stories. So you, you know, from before, I'm a little bit of a brain science nut. So if I can get a little nerdy for a minute. Please do. I love this. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> so our internal story making systems, so our brains are story makers. They want to make sense of the world around us, of ourselves, of our experiences. And there's this internal system called the default mode network. And it lives in the upstairs brain. So you have got like these two big parts of your brain, your upstairs and your downstairs brain. It lives in the upstairs brain, which is where a lot of our, you know, critical thinking and reasoning and problem solving and, you know, paying attention to boring things at all. That's all in our upstairs brain. But when we're in survival mode, when we're sort of inundated by stress or trauma, that the downstairs brain takes over that survival defense brain to keep us alive. And when we're in that state, we don't have the time or resources for reflection and revising those inner tapes, that story part of ourselves. We're just surviving. And we're using a different part of our brain to do it. So, you know, <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, definitely. And this something I've been talking a lot with some colleagues about recently is that we've been in this reminds me so much of newborn land, as I call it. So this phase after we have a baby, when we're chronically exhausted, but also we have to show up in so many ways that first of all, we adapt to the exhaustion, but we're also having to survive. So we really can't acknowledge the exhaustion because we wouldn't be able to keep going. And so after six months or so, you're like, well, I haven't slept for more than four hours a night in six months, but I'm totally fine. Like, yeah. you don't even know that you're tired. Right. And I think that's where we're at here. <laughs> right. We're like, well, I mean, things have been chaotic and hard and overwhelming and exhausting for a year, but I'm totally fine. And I think that we don't recognize that actually we're not. Uh-huh. And it's not like, even if we are, I know many people are in this position of their kids getting to go back to school or going back to school part time. And it's not like having your kids back in school for a week or having a getting back to some semblance of quote unquote normalcy again for a week or two is going to give you the rest recovery recuperation that you need to unwind a year of trauma. That's exactly right. It's a lot. <laughs> hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. And still I'm hopeful. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. That's the crazy thing about knowing these brains of ours. I really am still hopeful, even in the midst of all of that, not, the li not minimizing the pain of it, but knowing that there really is a way forward. So if you're feeling you know, at your wits end, let me hold that hope for you. <laughs> yeah. And so why are you hopeful? Because I think that I'm curious, I have hope, but I'm curious what your levels of hope are, because they might be around very different things, or maybe similar things. Sure. Okay. So for starters, if you're listening, you're doing one of the many things that can help strengthen your upstairs brain. You're slowing down, you're thinking about yourself or your parenting. Maybe you're not slowing down. I tend to listen to podcasts in like 1.5 speed. Same. <laughs> because that's just how, you know, it works for my brain or while I'm walking or things like that. But there's still a level of thinking about myself and my parenting. And that's what you're doing right now. You're thinking about yourself, your stories, your parenting, your kids. And that is really important. Pausing, reflecting on what we're actually thinking and feeling 
that helps us notice some of that self-talk that maybe happened in a millisecond or those things we're carrying in our bodies, right? The tension or the the little signs, the tummy aches that tell us, this is my brain, my body giving me a warning signal that I need to pay attention, that there's something going on here that I need to pay attention to. And that lets us help shift, shift the story, shift the narrative, shift the path that we're on to something that's going to be healthier which is so important. And it is that shift in the story. And I talk about this with adults all the time. And I know you talk about it with children. And this is at the center of your book, which I want to get to in just a sec. But I think that we have to see those opportunities to shift the story and shift the narrative, because that's what gives us power. And without that, there's such a sense of powerlessness. And I think that we could see this last year that we've endured as a reason to feel powerless and hopeless. Or we could see it. And this is where I get optimistic is like, holy cow, if we've made it through this, like bring on 2022 for the rest and the rest of my life, because like, I'm going to be untouchable because I survived 2020. (laughs) That's right. So something I say a lot in when I'm training people about trauma and the brain and adversity is superheroes are born of adversity. One of the themes that continues to, I like superhero stories. So I happened to be watching this episode of The Flash and the like CW show. And it had like the Flash and the like bad guy had very similar, like had these parallels in their early life, but the Flash had some loving care. He had some connections that let him heal. And, you know, then there's all the superhero stuff. And this other person didn't. And so that's really part of what I feel like my role is both in, well, across the board in my professional life is really equipping adults to be the safe big critter, the safe grown up for kids who are hurting. And sometimes that means being a safe space for yourself before you can be a safe place for somebody else or finding your safe places, your safe people before you're offering that or while you're offering that to kids who may be stressed or struggling or, you know, dealing with something even bigger. Right. I want to talk about the book because you're giving some examples that very much mirror what happens in the book around finding safe people and safe places and also rewriting stories and narratives that maybe we would think that would put us at a disadvantage, but actually can give us superpowers. And so that's right. Yeah. So you last time you were here, you talked about your first book, Riley the Brave. And now this new book is called What's Inside Your Backpack. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, I struggle with this. I'm not so great with the elevator pitch, because I feel like with my books, a lot of times it sounds cheesy until you like see the illustrations and hear the whole story. There's nothing cheesy about this book. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. It's not. So it's just trying to describe it. It's actually part of why I write children's books, because putting it in story form lets it hit the brain differently. So anyway, through this story, it's a story about a girl named Zoe. And what we see is we sort of walk through a day with Zoe. She you know, at the beginning of the book, we see that she wants to, you know, she's excited about basketball starting again. I think we can all relate to having those things we're looking forward to. But she also realizes that she's lugging around these, quote, books in her backpack, like worry or shame. And, but she's not the only one. And so through the story, we see her mom and her teacher and her school counselor, that they can all relate. And they help her set aside the books with some resilient strategies. And also there are times that there are books we just can't set aside. So we see in the book that, in the story that Zoe has had an unsafe parent. She's safe now with her mom, but her dad was not a safe big critter (laughs) for her. And so, you know, that's a book she has to carry, but we see that she can sort of bookmark it. And I use the bookmark metaphor in the book that she's also brave and she also can ask for help. And, you know, like we see these ways that, yes, you're going to have to open that unsafe parent book again. And maybe down the road, I'll have another (laughs) backpack book that sort of explores that a little bit more, what it looks like to do some of that deeper work. But when you open it, that bookmark is there to remind you, hey, this is true, but I'm also really brave. And throughout, like, things don't tie up in a neat little bow. She still has that unsafe parent book. There are things that we have to carry. What I really wanted to show is we can hold both. We can hold the hard and scary stuff and celebrate courage and strength. I mean, 
you'll see that theme <laughs> in a lot of my work, right? So it's it's the Riley the Brave stuff. You, yeah, there was scary stuff and you are courageous. It doesn't have to be, but you're courageous and you can get through it. Courage often looks like fear and it's meeting that fear time and time again. That's really brave. So let's celebrate it. Let's hold the whole real story, not just the trauma, right? Right. right. This episode is supported by Cubo AI. Cubo AI is the coolest baby monitor I've ever seen in my life. I'm not going to lie. With an adorable bird design, Cubo AI is the first smart baby monitor to apply artificial intelligence detection to babies' sleep, safety, and memories. Holy cow, this is the baby monitor I needed when my child was an infant because there's so many different features on here that can allow you to rest at ease because you can get notifications if your baby is doing something that is not rest going to allow you to rest at ease. So for example, if your baby's face is covered or your baby rolls over at these early stages, you know that these are like crucial, critical things that we often, especially as new moms or moms of new infants, we get really paranoid about and really panicky about. Cuba will send you an alert if your baby's face is covered or if your baby rolls over. They'll also send you crying alerts and you can adjust all of these alerts and turn them on and off so that you can make them appropriate for ages and stages so that you're not getting too many alerts at times that you don't need them, but you are getting the ones that you want for those stages when things do feel more precarious and more dangerous and you want to be keeping a closer eye. Here's what I really love about Cubo is they have danger zone alerts. Okay, so this is brilliant. I actually had multiple friends who had children who would try to like run out the back door and they had to put latches up on the top of their doors and all these things to like make sure that their kids wouldn't run out of the house. Um, just being like goofy little toddlers. And so this is brilliant. You can set up a danger alert, danger zone with Cubo. Cubo will keep watch. And then whether it's a crib railing or maybe getting out of a toddler bed or a door to the yard or even like a staircase area, Cubo will send an alert to your phone when your child crosses that threshold. Also, P.S., this is really good for puppies. So we're using this for setting danger zones up for our puppy because I can now monitor when Piper tries to break through the puppy gates, which she does very regularly. Also, Cubo provides sleep analytics and lullabies, and they also auto capture video and photos of your baby's cutest moments and milestones. I can't say enough great things about this monitor. So if you want to get a fantastic baby gift for someone who's expecting, or you just want your own Cubo because you are in need of a monitor or maybe a monitor upgrade, go ahead and go to getcubo.com and use my code SHAMELESS for a special discount. That's getcubo, G-E-T-C-U-B-O.com and then use the code SHAMELESS for a special discount. And huge thank you to Cubo AI for sponsoring this episode. That's getcubo.com, code SHAMELESS. I meant to ask you this before we started recording, but I'll ask now. Did you write the book prior to the pandemic or during the pandemic? That is a great question. So I had been talking with the publisher, National Center for Youth Issues, about what made sense. They liked my writing. They didn't. Riley the Brave was already kind of in the works somewhere else. And but we hadn't quite landed on, you know, what that was going to be. And then sort of the world shut down and we just kind of left it as like, yeah, we'll be in touch. And so we ended up reconnecting a few months into the pandemic. And I was talking with the publisher and about this idea that that there are things that we're not meant to carry and how do we help kids set those aside. And that's even more intense right now because we knew, we know there are some kids who have not been able to be home with safe adults. There are kids who have been in really unsafe situations. There are probably moms listening right now who were or are dealing with, you know, being stuck in an unsafe situation. And that I wanted to create a story that brought that to the surface safely so that as kids are returning to school and parents who are like, ah, what the heck do I do? Because this was a hot mess, that it's okay. That happens, right? There are difficult things that happen and that's not the end of the story. And so it was sort of born out of that, okay, Jess, you know trauma and we know kids are going to need this resource. And so let's come together and put together something that's going to be really helpful for them in this moment. And that's actually part of why it's dedicated to the strong and courageous educators of 2020, because man, has it been a beast of a year for teachers 
counselors and admin and everybody. They're all carrying some heavy books. <laughs> oh, yes. Shout out to all of our teachers. And we actually have a decent number of listeners who are teachers. So shout out to all our teachers. You are definitely the superheroes of 2020. So that explanation makes so much sense. And the timeliness, I think, is really significant. I'm curious around your decision. As I was reading, I thought like, speaking of bravery, I was like, what a brave decision to make the story about something as traumatic as an unsafe parent. Because I also think that the story could have been positioned around more, um, I'm trying to think of like the right word, because I don't want to say it's more superficial. Sure, like a gentler topic, like divorce, or... Or even I was thinking like, you know, shame around like someone making fun of you on the playground or something that's a little more public. But this is like, and not to make light of that at all, because that is can be very traumatic and life altering. But to have something that I think has the potential to develop shame in a child, something as significant as an unsafe parent and something that would probably have the potential to be such a deep, dark, scary secret. I'm curious why you chose that. And I think it was brave move. And I was actually excited. It's not a good word. <laughs> I was like, I'm so excited to see that. But I just, I think it's really important. And I think it just creates a lot of space for compassion and empathy and really powerful conversations with parents who are reading this with their child. So if you could you share a little bit about the reasoning there? Yeah. Well, first, thank you. I appreciate you noticing that because there are times that I'm like, oh, why? So when it when the book first came out, it was like number one in child abuse books. I'm like, why is it not like resilience books? Or like, why are my books the dysfunctional relationship child abuse books? Like, son of a gun. That's the trophy that you want on your on your shelf. Yeah, exactly. Sweet. I'm going to really publicize that. Hey, do you want a good child abuse book? Right. What the? We got to work on our framing here, Amazon. Anyway, so I mean, I think there are a variety of reasons that I stuck with tackling this topic. There was we did go back and forth a little bit on like, is this too intense? And I think so the feedback has been no, it's not too intense, it's needed. And there are other components in the book that it's not just about having an unsafe parent, but that is certainly addressed. And I think knowing that you know, unfortunately, when everybody's in their downstairs brain, bad things happen. And there were a lot of parents dealing with a lot of stressors. And that can lead to some not great choices that negatively impact children. And so I feel like called, I guess, to be in that space and help make the tough stuff easier to face and talk about a lot of how we prevent or treat PTSD, you know, post traumatic stress disorder is safely being able to face the hard stuff, not feeling like we have to run away from it or block it or be stuck in it or relive it, that we can pull out the unsafe parent book, you know, with our safe people and sort of work through pieces of it and bookmark what we need to bookmark and set it aside and know that that's not the whole story. That's not Zoe's whole story is not that she had an unsafe dad. Her story is rich and full and still developing. And I'm, you know, hopeful that we'll get to see more of where it goes because, and I think, you know, I hadn't necessarily planned to talk about this, but, you know, I have all this professional experience, but I also have some personal experience with having an unsafe parent. And I think that can't help but weave into what you do. You know, your life experiences inform what you do. And, so that wasn't necessarily my motivation, but it certainly has helped me in my life to be able to talk about it and address it and address it quickly, right? Like right after things happen, not having things have to be secret and shameful and hidden for years and years. And then it pops out later, even though that's what our brains will kind of try to do to protect us. Like lots of kids will have, you know, scary or dangerous situations happen and they don't want to talk about, not even want to, their brain protects them from the experience by like thinking it was a dream or sort of tucking it away so that they can go on even though they've had these terrible experiences. And so I think, you know, superheroes are born of adversity. So I'm brave in talking about this stuff because I've had some experience with getting help and healing and I want other kids to have that too. Thank you for sharing that part. I think that's important. And I also think it helps normalize that so many people come from all sorts of adverse backgrounds and experiences. And I think it helps everyone to hear those parts of our stories. I also think that 
the beautiful piece around this being a significant part of the book and a significant part of Zoe's story is that for a child who is reading the book or a parent who's reading the book with a child who where the child is in a safe situation and so they don't have an unsafe parent or an unsafe adult around them, mm -hmm. they can be able to give them create a sense of compassion and empathy that there's probably kids around them at school who do have this story as part of their story and to just recognize that and to recognize that this is something that sometimes kids are walking around with in their backpack and we need to and to be able to have awareness around that and to be able to maybe keep an eye out for people who are looking for safe friends and who are you know maybe might look a little bit or seem come across as a little more shy or hesitant or nervous about certain situations and then to be able to have compassion i also think for families that are reading this where there has been an unsafe adult, it also helps normalize that and create a safe place to talk about it in a way that is not shameful, that is relatable, and that also gives tools. And I just think that that's gifts all around, like everybody wins then from reading the story. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's my hope for sure. I love it. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell?, laughing in the face of motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So I want to ask you about the specific, and you alluded to this a little bit already, but I think this is so important. And actually, it, it's something I've been talking about a lot in 2020. But I've been talking about it more as it relates to parents. And I love how you're talking about it relating to kids. So near the end of the book, there's a line where Zoe is talking with her school counselor a little bit about how things have been unsafe at home and dealing with the weight of that. And Zoe says, do you think both can be true that my dad wasn't safe, and I am strong and courageous? And so can you talk about these things? Because I've been talking about this around the pandemic that like 2020 was completely like defeating, but like also hopeful. And it's like, how do those things? Yes. Empowering. Yeah. Yeah. Like how do they coexist? It doesn't make sense, but also it does once you're there, like once you're in it and you take a minute to sit with it, you're like, oh, that does make sense. I'm going to let you dive into that. Yeah. So I find myself talking a lot about that both and concept. Like I can be both like dad was not safe and I am strong and courageous. I, you know, missed having live gatherings with such and such. And I have found this virtual platform that is amazing that I might not have found, right? Like there can be these seemingly conflicting things going on. So that's one of the ways that I wanted to help adults be able to frame things for kids that in when they have to have these difficult conversations, and it really seems to be working. So I always do virtual read alouds on the day my books are released. And I read the book. So I read the book in a number of places. And I have some time for questions, and maybe we do an activity. And this last time, partly because of the pandemic, I was able to read it in 
inpatient treatment center for kids who are having a really hard time being safe in the community. And they, these are kids who've had a lot of difficult experiences in life that have wired them to be in their defense brain. But man, they paid rapt attention through the whole thing. And one of the boys raised his hand and said, it was something like, so basically, Zoe had a parent who did bad things, but she's okay. Like, her parent can be bad, but she can have a good life. What a light bulb moment for a kid who's been in that circumstance. Yes. That gives me goosebumps. Like, I don't know what he'd been through, but I'm sure it was coming out in his behavior because Mm -hmm. while what's inside your backpack shows the like sort of internalizing, you know, maybe shy or reserved or worried side of dealing with trauma, you know, a lot of my work has been with the kids who have the big explosive behavior ways of dealing with trauma. And so, you know, here in this moment, we get to see that he's not those behaviors. He's not even whatever his parents have done. And, you know, there's just this little bit of hope, like we can bookmark some of that stuff he's carrying around and potentially change that story. And it just, I was over the moon when I got off the call. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a moment. Yeah. This episode is supported by HelloFresh, and I will tell you, I get real pumped up whenever HelloFresh shows up on our sponsor schedule because I love talking about HelloFresh because I love it when meals are made a little easier. You've heard me talk about dinner. Like, I get real bitter that dinner has to happen every day. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I get annoyed when I spend precious time and energy thinking on a daily basis about what's going to be for dinner. So I love that HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and trips to the grocery store so that I can get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. And it's easy and delicious. And also they have new menu offerings every week. So HelloFresh offers 25 recipes to choose from each week, from vegetarian meals to craft burgers to extra special gourmet options. There's something for everyone and even picky kids. And let me tell you, I went to order some meals today. And let me just tell you the first three things that I added to my menu. Okay, so the first thing I added was the crispy Parmesan chicken with garlic scallion couscous and lemony roasted carrots. Then I added after that, the pork and pepper enchiladas with pico de gallo and lime crema. And then I added the orange chicken with jasmine rice, which I know Vinny's going to super love. Oh my gosh, I got so excited. And (laughs) I'm telling you, I did this right before lunch. And now I'm drooling. And I'm also sad that like, I just can't have these things immediately for lunch because I'm so excited for them to land on my doorstep. So I also love that HelloFresh ingredients are so fresh and sourced directly from growers and delivered from the farm to your front door in under a week. So everything I've ever gotten has been incredibly fresh, super simple to work with. All the portions are taken care of. So everything's laid out, portioned out for you with a simple recipe to follow. Dinner is done. And here is what's really cool. HelloFresh is offering you 12 free meals when you go through my link. So when you go to hellofresh.com slash shameless12 and then use the code shameless12 at checkout, you're going to get 12 free meals plus free shipping. That's hellofresh.com slash shameless12 and then use the code shameless12. hellofresh.com slash shameless12 code shameless12. Get started today with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I'm curious, one of the things I noticed right away in the book is I'm assuming this was intentional, your intentional choice of words around calling Zoe's dad an unsafe parent versus using terminology that like I would typically think of as an abusive parent. And I'm curious if sure, yeah, tell me, I'm sure this was intentional. And can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So it's funny, like, you know, I'm not immersed in the world of podcasts and shame and empowering moms in the same way that you are. So there, there's probably wording that you know, that just is second nature that you know, that I wouldn't know. And so that has happened over the years doing, you know, 16, 17 years into working pretty extensively in the world of trauma. And so there are things that come more naturally. And I think, you know, one of the pieces, while it's not the focus of this story, I know this dad has a story, right? He might have had an unsafe parent. So I'm cautious to not assign. So one, abusive is a big, scary word. And so I feel like if I'm helping kids approach this topic, 
that unsafe might reach more kids because maybe it was abusive to Zoe. Maybe there was something going on between him and mom. All we know is he looks pretty mean and scary (laughs) in the illustrations and that he was unsafe in some way. And now Zoe and, and mom are safe in their own, you know, apartment. So that was a conscious choice. I also doing this work as long as I have and in the diverse populations that I have, I continue to really try to be intentional as I write, being a white woman in this country to catch things that might otherwise slip through. So I wanted to make sure that I had a BIPOC illustrator to balance a little bit that I'm not just putting, you know, I don't know. That was important to me from a representation standpoint. I knew I wanted my first book with a human character to have a Black or Indigenous or person of color main character. And, but I also knew that a lot of Black and Brown fathers have been taken from their families by lingering effects of institutionalized racism. And so I knew my unsafe parent was not going to perpetuate that. So the dad in the story is white, not to demonize white men. I'm raising three white boys and my husband's a white man, like nothing against white men, but I wanted to be really careful about my choices in how I represent families of color and how I wield my power as a white author. And even with the other characters, like making Zoe's friend of Indian descent and the school counselor Latinx, that that representation really, really matters. We know You know, I'm grateful for the people who are educating me, you know, even through this difficult year of 2020 about those blind spots that still pop up for me. And so I'm trying to apply what I learn. The teacher is a white woman (laughs) because she is actually based on a teacher who saved my son's academic future by recognizing and helping him carry some of the heavy books in his backpack. So Mrs. James is a real life person and she is amazing. And she saw the dyslexia and some other things that my son was carrying around. And it was night and day for him. So God bless Mrs. James. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You just touched on so many things that I want to unravel a little bit. And you were like unraveling. (laughs) We're just going to keep up the unraveling. Okay, so I want to go back to unsafe parent versus me saying like, why wouldn't you just say abusive parent? Mm. And not that you would throw that around lightly, like I just did. But I so appreciate that distinction. And I absolutely see what you're saying with that. And I'm actually even just thinking around conversations that you would have with the child that where, you know, if my son came home and said that a friend was having a situation at home where they didn't feel safe or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't think I would say to my son, like, well, maybe their mom or dad is abusive. I probably like to be that terminology around like, well, maybe that parent was being unsafe in that moment, or maybe that parent is not a safe parent or whatever. Like that is actually really, really valuable for me. Like that's a new tool in my toolkit today Yay. that I have some terminology that I can put with that, that I think is just represents something really different than like you said, kind of a term that's as polarizing and has as much depth and stigma as abusive parent might. Mm -hmm. And also, like you said, unsafe parent being more of an umbrella as well, a wider umbrella as well. Yeah. So I think that's really, really important. And I also did notice that the unsafe parent in the book, I totally noticed. And I actually, when I was, when we were going back and forth about questions and what we wanted to talk about, I had said, like, I want to talk about inclusivity in this book because it was clearly a priority to you. But I had noticed, and I didn't mention this in our email exchange, but I had noticed that Zoe's dad was not a black man. And I thought I was like that, I'm sure was intentional because you don't want to perpetuate that stereotype. And I thought that was a really, you know, a significant choice. And along the lines of other significant choices that you made to just have many layers of inclusivity in the book. And when I think about the layers of inclusivity, you know, when you see when you're flipping through the pages, you just see many races represented. But I also think the inclusivity also is present around the storyline as well, that we're talking about a family that is, you know, not a traditional nuclear family. It's this little girl and her mom who previously had been a family of three. And we're talking about a family that has endured something really hard, you know, with we can tell with an unsafe parent. And so being inclusive of like what families can look like and what family stories can look like and 
what we all show up with at school every day or as adults, what we all show up with in the office every day or whatever. I just thought it was beautifully layered in terms of inclusivity in stories and narratives and experiences. And then also in what caregivers look like and children look like and all of those different components. And I guessing that that was a lot of thoughtfulness on your part. Yes, it makes me really happy that that came through because it's true. And it's part of why I have to let go the whole like number one in child abuse books, because I want those stories to be told. You know, it's why I wrote Riley the Brave. It's why I wrote this book that just because your story doesn't follow the, you know, leave it to beaver, white picket fence, you know, old storyline doesn't mean like you matter. Your story matters. Your story is powerful. Your you are powerful. Even within that story, you're not defined by your trauma. You are defined by your strength and your, your experiences are part of that, but they don't, but it's, that's not the whole story. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, Jessica, so many good things here. Okay. So I want to know how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. Okay. I knew this question was coming. So <laughs> I picked a few things that feel big to me right now. Yay. So one is what I'm doing right now, the podcast. This is my third podcast recording today. Marketing and sales is my least favorite part of the entrepreneurial journey, but I love talking with people, especially about the things I'm passionate about. So podcasts are a great fit. So I kind of got through some of that uncomfortable part of reaching out to a few. And now I get to talk with a bunch of people about this stuff that I feel so lucky in a way to be equipped to help with. So I'm living my calling and podcasts have been a part of that. And so I'm grateful for that. So that's a big one for me right now. And the second in the professional realm is I've really been conscious about how I can make the most of my time professionally. So I'm dialing back some of my individual work to bring brainy goodness to more people both with my writing and training and equipping groups. And one way that I've been doing that in 2021 is I started a like a six month training series for professionals for like social workers, therapists called moving beyond trauma informed, where we dive into the neurobiology of attachment focused therapy. And it has been, I mean, beyond my wildest dreams. I am so happy. One of the participants last week said, she emailed me and said, not only is this changing how I do my casework, it is changing my life. And I just thought, well, it changed my life. And that's actually why I'm out here doing this because learning about attachment and trauma and the brain has just opened up this whole new world. And I want to share it with everybody. So I'm bringing it very intentionally to groups. And that's been a lot of fun. And then at home, I can't do all the things. (laughs) So my husband and I are having some very honest conversations about needs and sharing the load. And I'm being really intentional about what I want to prioritize. So one of my boys, you know, his brain needs a little extra help learning to read. And so reading, we read every night and it has just been really lovely. Bedtime snuggles, being present, like not on my phone when I am at home with them outside of work time. Like if we're virtual school and whatever, I'm like, guys, I got to work. So being really intentional. There are some balls that are going to drop, but I'm going to read and we're going to snuggle and I'm going to do my best to be present when in those hours that we have together. So those are some concrete ways I'm really trying to show up as a Shameless mom. I love it. Okay. So I want everyone to go get the book. And I want to just like give a couple in case this wasn't clear already. I think a couple ways that this book might speak to our listeners is it first of all, if you're an educator, this book should be in your classroom library. Also, if you are looking to develop compassion and empathy in your child, this book should be in your library. If you are looking for books that are inclusive of different backgrounds, stories, and characters across different races, this book should be in your library. And also, if you have a child who's endured trauma on any level, this book should be in your library. So where can people get the book and connect with you and all that good stuff? So I think the best place to go is bravebrains.com. It's my umbrella of all of the work that I'm doing. So you'll find if you scroll down a little bit on the homepage, you'll find what's inside your backpack and where you can order that. 
and there are pages there for schools and professionals. And so that's probably, yeah, that's probably your best place to go to get plugged in to my work and to find the book and all of those kinds of things. I am also on Twitter at Jessica Sonarski and on Facebook at Riley the Brave. And so I think when you're listening to this, I will be on Instagram at Jessica Sonarski. I'm in the process of a switch over. I joined Instagram to help launch my first book several years ago. And so I was at, I am currently as we're recording at Riley the Brave, but I think by the time that you're listening to this, it will be switched over. And Instagram's where I'm most active. So I'm really trying to be an encouraging presence there, helping reframe the narrative, sort of like we were talking about like abusive parent or unsafe parent, like thinking about our language in an encouraging, supportive way, not a PC police, like cancel culture way. <laughs> right, 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 right. But just like, hey, what if we framed it this way? Because some of those things have been so powerful in my work and in my personal life. Yeah. I will have everything linked up. So everything that you just mentioned, and we will double check what your name is on Instagram when this goes live to make sure we're sending people to the right place. Yay. <laughs> so we'll have that all linked up if people go to shamelessmom.com and then click on the episode with Jessica Sinarski, and we'll have it all linked up there for people to just click right through. Jessica, this has been so, so good. I want this book everywhere. I think it's such a valuable, I think it's a beautiful story and a really powerful story, but I also think it's a valuable tool for parents and caregivers and educators and children. So I'm really honored that you came here and I hope that this book gets widely shared, widely read and widely shared because I think it will help many, many people. So thank you for being here today. Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Okay, mamas, before you hop off, one more thing for you. Where are my business mamas out there? So maybe you already have a business that you're looking to grow, or maybe you have a little bit of a side hustle, but you want it to become something more so that ultimately you could quit your day job. Or maybe you've been just dreaming about starting a business, but you're a little bit scared, maybe even terrified, and you don't even know where to start. So I have something for you. If you are looking to grow your business through building an audience or more clearly defining your offerings, products, and services, or becoming more visible, or stepping into your confidence as a CEO, I want you to join me for my business building workshop. So I am hosting this workshop on May 11th. This is my workshop titled Three Essential Building Blocks You Need to Grow Your Business. And during this workshop, you're going to learn the three essential building blocks that you need to start and grow a successful business, the three ways to step into leadership and own your title as CEO. This is so crucial. This is so many of us miss this piece of owning leadership and owning our title as a CEO. This is crucial, crucial if you want to be successful and really take the reins in terms of running a business that you can grow and feel really awesome about. And then I'm also going to be teaching you the three common mistakes that entrepreneurs make that can cost you everything. So if you know that you need a boost in terms of mindset and leadership in order to be a CEO, or if you need some tactical strategies to grow a business and even think about maybe where to start with a business, I got you. At the end of this workshop, you will also get an invitation to check out my Tenacious Mama's Business and Leadership Mastermind, which I will be launching my fourth round of and the last chance for you to join in 2021. And I don't want you to miss out. So if you are one of my business mamas, join me on May 11th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Just go to shamelessmom.com slash business and you can join me for this workshop. It's completely free. It's gonna be super fun and give you lots of content that you can put into action. Just go to shamelessmom.com slash business to get signed up for free today. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayeni, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.